Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this episode 31 of Circles and Squares. And Kate, we're getting to the end of May. It's almost E3 time. What a time to be a gamer, hey? You know, it's like the best. <laughs> oh man, I cannot wait for E3. Like, it's Christmas to me every year. I get so excited. And we've already been blessed by having two um, presentations so far. We've had the State of Play, which we'll cover uh, on the episode. Yeah, yeah. And then also, there was a Sonic anniversary, um, the first, like, like specifically Sonic team presentation. Yeah, well, the third uh, Sonic's 30-year anniversary, I think, right? So it, Yeah, it came out on the 27th. And you know what's funny? I had a fun fact for you from that presentation watching it yesterday. Sonic and I share a birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. June 23rd is both the birthday of me and the famous blue hedgehog so i will be celebrating extra this year <laughs> oh my i'm actually gonna put that into my phone like on the same date when i got my birthday notifications i'm gonna put like kate's birthday sonic's birthday we'll have a joint birthday I, party i think i think you put it the other way around sonic's birthday oh and i guess kate's birthday too. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's true actually that's a good point <laughs> mm -hmm. we gotta get our priorities in order you know yeah, exactly. And I think he's a little bit old. He's a couple years older than me, but yeah, something yeah, like that. Anyway. that he looks good for his age. I got to say, like, he, you know. he does. I didn't know hedgehogs live that long, but, um, you know, he's well, doing really well. He, you know, eating chili dogs all the time. And <laughs> I don't know. So it's a weird universe when you really break it down. It really is. Um, hey, we got a lot to talk about on the show today, today though, Kate, so let's get started. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items, actually, before we get into the show today, though, is um, so our next episode is actually scheduled to be coming out on uh, June 10th, which is, as many people will know, right in the middle of the E3 kind of cycle and all the presentations going on around that. So just as a heads up for everybody, we're planning to maybe delay that next episode a couple days, just depending on when the final schedules are put out and everyone's presentation time is kind of sorted, sorted out. Like we don't even know when Sony's doing a state of play or what they're doing around E3 at this point. So until we know that, we, we're just going to say we might delay the episode a few days, uh, but just check out our Twitter at CNSPod uh, for any updates on that. And we will have an episode out covering that uh, within a few days or um, however it ends up looking, but just follow us along there um for any updates that you need so um but anyway on the show today we are going to obviously be starting with the games we've been playing uh for the first section of the show they will then move into the middle part where we of course talk about the news including yeah that state of play with horizon zero dawn gameplay man it looked good hey oh my god i feel like every time one of these like new trailers comes out especially for like the the new like ps5 games we're both just like man it's so impressive and it's like i feel like a broken record but like man it's so impressive <laughs> seriously seriously so yeah we're gonna talk about that and also ps plus for june 2021 and then for the third part of the show we have our of course obligatory podcast e3 predictions section where we're both gonna give some playstation and non-playstation predictions and see if any of us can get anything even remotely correct <laughs> so we'll wait and see and then as usual we're closing out the show with a listener mail question and it's a very special one this week um, our friends over at the loud thumbs podcast nick and josh has sent us a great question so we'll answer that later on the show and of course you guys should check out their content as well uh, we'll link it in the description of the show and everything and special special announcement they will actually be joining us on the next episode to discuss E3 and everything we see at the presentations and, and break it all down with us. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, great guys, please check them out. And yeah, look forward to that for the next episode. But Kate, you know, enough about all that stuff. Why don't we talk about how scared you might have been recently uh, with what we've been playing? <laughs> That's right. I did the big undertaking of uh, playing Resident Evil Village. 
And, you know, it was funny. I'm looking through my notes here. I was kind of going over them pre-show. And they they kind of come off a little bit negative, which is not my intention. I am really enjoying this game. But I think I'm in a really weird situation with it where I'm coming off of the expectations from 7. And 7 being the only Resident Evil game I've actually played. And so... Seven was was very scary. It was very much a horror-driven game, and the action was there, but it took a bit of a backseat, especially for the first half of the game. And that was kind of what I expected coming into Village. But obviously, the Resident Evil history is a lot more diverse than that. They've had some games that are a little bit more action-focused, some a little bit more horror, and, and usually some that are a blend of both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think Village kind of, it's, it's primarily more of, it's still a horror game, but I think it, it, it blends a little bit more of the action into it. So it wasn't quite what I was expecting. And I think, I looking kind of looking at my notes here in the general experience I've had, I think I wish it was a little bit scarier than it was, than it is. And I think that like, it's not quite hitting the expectations that I had in my mind. Hmm, interesting. Um, but it's really good. I would say, like, the action feels good. I think it's got that um, really good balance of the guns feel satisfying enough, but they're still not quite like a, sh- a shooter level. Like, there's still that, like, you're, you're going to miss a bit, and, and it adds that tension to, like, the the combat is not incredible you got to land those headshots basically it's very important otherwise like they'll just the enemies will eat up your bullets like a sponge yeah are you limited in ammo in this game at all is that kind of the way it works or with the action focus are you more liberal with with what you got it's it's kind of it's definitely more liberal um but i i feel like it's supposed to feel limited but it it doesn't and that's i think one of the things that takes a little bit of the tension out of the game for me, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but overall, it still feels good. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the kind of maybe the negatives after, but I've got a few more things I, I really like about it. Like the game is gorgeous. There's some really grand designs. The atmosphere is really good. Um, it's kind of neat also how you go through different kind of like set piece sections and then you end up back in the village for sort of um like but the game is actually i guess it's important to know because i didn't know this and the advertisement for the game didn't really convey this but there's actually like four main areas or sections you go to and the village is kind of the like a hub area that they're all connected to Mm, okay so the castle, for example, that was shown off with all the, you know, the vampires and, and that really, really freakishly tall lady um, <laughs> that nobody can pronounce her name. What is it? Dimitriescu? Uh, Dimi- I, I think you don't actually pronounce like the U at the end, which is what trips oh. people up. Um, but you're you're definitely close. It's recognizable, but I don't even know. <laughs> not just call, just call her Lady D. Lady D. That's what I say. Um, and she that's actually just like one of the sections and you have to go to four sections and kind of all get like a MacGuffin from each one. So in between those sections, you go back to the village and it's really cool to see like every time you go, it's slightly different 
and you a little bit more of the village has opened up so it's kind of got like this really nice like pacing to it where it's like village intense section back to the village and like there's monsters and stuff in the village too it's not like you're just having like you know like a nice little peaceful relaxation time (laughs) but it's vacation time Exactly. There's no vacation in Resident Evil, but it's somewhere you're a little bit more familiar with and it's kind of nice to come back and be like, okay, we can open that door now. We got the key from, from that area or like, oh, we got this item and now we can we can interact like with something else. So it, it's kind of, I, I like that style. And what else is really interesting is the sections all seem very different to each other. So the first section is that castle that we were prepared for. The second section, I won't spoil it, but it is very different. Um, And that section, it's a bit shorter, but it actually plays very differently. It plays a lot more like one of the like amnesia kind of style, like survival horrors more than an action horror. So I was kind of feeling a bit like, I wish this game was scarier. And then we got to that part and I was like, holy shit, this is one of the scariest things I've <laughs> ever here, played. Oh my god, like, careful what you wish for. <laughs> and I won't spoil it because you should. It, it's worth it to just play it through. But that's made me really interested now because I'd say, I'm assuming I'm about halfway because I've done two of the four sections. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really interested to see what the next two are and if it ends up being kind of like a greatest hits of horror style games where each area is like, very different gameplay wise so mm. i think that's kind of cool like it, it it's funny i went into it thinking of a certain experience and it, it just it's surprising me so it's kind of contradictory to be like oh it's not living up to my expectations but also it's it's really surprising and got all these wild and wacky bits to it yeah right it's kind of cool um, with the variety though like that that's a really interesting format almost and i i wonder if you're going to turn out to be right about having like four distinct kind of feeling sections with with each of them so that, that'll be cool to, I, to I hear next time so. on the show i hope so yeah i'll definitely do a follow-up i think i'm gonna try to finish it rather quickly because um i'm just really interested to see what happens next and i hope i'm right because i think that's kind of a cool spin on a horror genre i've never seen one that sort of like almost takes you through a fun house of all the different tropes and and styles and i think it's so far been set up to do that quite well and even just the tone of the game like where there's been some cutscenes, and you get to know sort of some of the the bad guys and they almost kind of like play off like it's almost like kind of meta like they know it's got that cheesy campy kind of horror some of these characters have got to them Mm -hmm. so i I think that would almost fit in kind of a very like self-aware we're showing you all these different types of horror it's really over the top and, and and really grand and outrageous so um, I, I would highly recommend the game. I think it's it's great if you've played any Resident Evils before. I think you'll find something familiar. Um, but I, I think there's a few places where it just misses a little bit. And I would have liked there to be a bit more... And I keep coming back to the word tension, and I think that's what's missing. And especially after playing the second area that had that in spades, the rest of the game so far has lacked a bit of tension for me. And I think it comes down to the um, the inventory system's a big one. You mentioned the ammo being sparse and how that plays into it. And so this has that classic, like, amazing Resident Evil inventory system I love where, like, you have just slots and you, everything takes up a certain amount of 
squares on the grid. Yeah, it's such a you, great system. It's so smart. And like, so any weapons you have, any ammos, healing items, they all go in. And um, normally, I, I get the impression that's supposed to create these situations where you need to make compromises, right? It's like you want to have some free space for if you find something to pick up, but also like you want to make sure you've got enough weapons, ammos, health, things to make you feel safe and that you're going to be able to take on a challenge that could be waiting around any corner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or like key items too for, for opening doors and all that, I'm assuming is still the same as, well, as other games that, too. Well, that's a big change. So key items are now no longer part of the inventory system. Oh, wow. They are just their own inventory page and there's infinite space for them. So that's nice in the sense of like, you never get those moments where you, you make it all the way across the map and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't have that key I need. Who would have known I need the like deer antler head? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think I'd need that. And then you have to go back, you backtrack, grab the item, come back and lock it. And then you're like, okay, I better go put the deer head away because I probably won't need it a second time. And so it takes, I guess, some of the like fiddling around that that was necessary in other games. But at the same time, I don't feel like we're ever having to make choices. I feel like the whole time we've been playing, we've had tons of items. We've like hardly even been crafting because we found so much ammo. And also there's a store is back so you can buy things and we have tons of money. And I feel like we've never, at least where we are yet and playing on the normal difficulty, we've never had to, to compromise our inventory mm. space. And it's just sort of been like a, a waste of the system because there's been no um, management of it. Yeah, right. It's like, what's the point of, well, not what's the point. It's still like a good system, but I, I know what you mean. Like if you don't have to actually struggle with the tension of figuring out what to bring, it kind of circumvents like what, what they're trying to do with that system, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I will, I will say in all fairness, there are upgrades you can buy for it to make your inventory space bigger. And we've bought both of those, but that might be a fair point. But at the same time, we are so inundated with such a massive fat wallet that like, I don't feel like it was a big ask to buy that inventory space. So hmm. I don't know. That... I wonder what the higher difficulty would mean for, for that yeah, kind of thing. Like I, if you think... need to bring more ammo or health or whatever it would be. Yeah, I think I think changing the difficulty might, you know, mitigate some of these issues. But of course, like when I play a game, I, I play on the suggested difficulty setting because I'm assuming that's the you know, the intended experience and, and maybe, you know, go to a higher difficulty on a second playthrough or something or whatever. Um, but then the other thing that I was kind of not as huge on is that I, I didn't find the castle to be very scary or very tense. There were definitely some moments that, you know, like some jump scares or, or times we got surprised. Uh, and there were some really good sections that were kind of the more like, you know, you walk into the room and then it's got a little bit of like a scripted bit that happens. Those were really good. The cinematics were awesome. But I didn't feel like I was ever really like trespassing. Like you've got Lady D and she does show up eventually. And she kind of patrols the castle in a similar kind of way that the um, the family does in Seven. But to compare them in Seven, it's really claustrophobic. If you run into a family member, you're turning around and you're booking it down this like really thin hallway that may or may not be a dead end. And it leads into like maybe a, a small room or it's very small in scale. 
whereas the castle is massive. And so you go in these grand, huge rooms that you can basically just like walk away from her in because she's very slow. And there's a lot of like looping paths that that don't end in dead ends. They all kind of like lead, like funnel you out into a couple of the bigger rooms. So right. I feel like you don't need you don't really need to be strategic. The couple times we did just happen to run in her while we were looking around. It was just, oh okay, turn around, like walk away and then you you loop around and you ring around the rosy her and like she's gone <laughs> and like I, I never felt like we were ever like in danger. And then you get the other three vampires that are in there with her, her her daughters, and they took them very much down the, like, sexy vampire route, which, unfortunately, doesn't make them very scary. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so I just, I think that, like, I don't know, it was fun, and it's, like, cinematic, and I'm, I'm having a good time. I don't want to get the, make the impression that I, I don't think it's a good game. I think it's excelling in a lot of things. I think it's got a great atmosphere. It, it's, you know fun and, and there's been some really memorable sequences but i just i don't f get that like ooh like tension like oh i i don't i need to get up to the bathroom but like i don't want to because i'm too scared mm -hmm, <laughs> like mm -hmm. yeah, it's not yeah. safe if i stand up kind of thing and and so you know oh, that's too bad yeah and i and maybe that's not what everyone's looking for like it, it maybe plays a little bit more like a like a spooky action game and that's totally yeah, fine maybe it's I more akin just... to like resident evil 4 i'm from like what you're saying because i know there's like a few different styles of resident evil and they can really shift around like you were saying before right so maybe this is just a slightly different take on the franchise and and it's unfortunate maybe you're following it up so soon after playing 7 too which was such a standout experience yeah exactly i think that's the thing is i think for horror games for me i really like the style of 7 where it's like i am genuinely like terrified to go around any corner because i don't feel safe and you know maybe that's just not what this game's going for or if it is like i mean it certainly nailed that in the sec second area so i think maybe it's just kind of giving a little bit of everything and and that might be weird a little bit for the tone but it's also like it's also exciting because you know it's opened up again that air of mystery like I, I don't i thought i knew what the game was giving me but now i don't really know what's going to be around the next corner in terms of like the larger sections mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh it's definitely it's definitely an interesting game and i i would encourage anyone to play it but i i wouldn't i would say temper your expectations that it's not going to be an outlast or amnesia or like that style of horror again right yeah interesting okay well i definitely can't wait to see what those what you say about like the final half so definitely mm -hmm. check back in with, with there will here. be an update i'm i'm sure and probably maybe not next week but maybe the one following i'll, yeah, I'll try to uh to plow through it <laughs> yeah true well we got a busy episode next week anyway so it's all good um anyway kate why don't i tell you about it takes two which is something i've been playing for actually a few weeks now me and ash have been going through it and man you know You've played so you've played Brothers, right? And and you're a way yeah. out. I don't think you tried yet. These are a way out. I have, games. I have bought and is very very like a high priority game, but I haven't gone around to playing it yet. Right. Okay. So yeah, a little bit of backstory. I guess people that listen to the show will know that I'm a big fan of Joseph Ferris and Hazelight and Brothers especially. I know that's not actually Hazelight. That was before the studio was formed, but same same principle. And I just love these games. I love the take on like. The, the co-op aspect especially like way out and and um it takes to have and and just the way that 
kind of the mechanics blend with the the gameplay and, and and what what they do there. It just it just feels great. But it takes two is really a step up in terms of like the game. It, it just feels a little bit more polished than the other two. Like they the other ones felt not that they were like janky or had major problems or anything, but they definitely felt a little bit lower budget. Like this is definitely kind of that step up into the next echelon. Like it almost has a a Nintendo-ish quality level, you know, like that look of like, oh, that's a Nintendo game, you know? And Yes. Yeah. It's kind of got that like sort of like, yeah, it's hard to quantify, but it's just so charming in a specific way. <laughs> yeah. And so It Takes Two has really given me like similar kind of vibes. Now, I don't want to put it on the same level as like Nintendo because obviously legendary, <laughs> legendary games, but um, it, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. And um, I mean, I I want to start off. I don't I don't really think I have too many negatives about this game. Honestly, like it's it's one of my favorite things I've played this year. I I think it's something everyone should play if they have a, a way to do so or someone to play with. And if not, go find someone online. Like it's 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 worth your time. Um. So this game just just a bit of the backstory. I guess it's a 3D puzzle platformer. Very different than the other games that have come out so far from uh, Joseph. And this game is basically about a married couple who's going through a tumultuous time in their relationship and they're um, kind of about to get divorced, actually. And they're, they have a young daughter who's very much struggling with this situation. And so she kind of finds this magic book who ends up what ends up, you know, the game is about solving their relationship and putting it back together. And I guess the name of the game is it takes two, like it takes two people's work to put into mm-hmm. a relationship to to make sure everything works out and and you you know get through the tough times to have the good stuff right and so i really like the theme of that and it just ties in so well mechanically the way that that weaves together because when you're playing this game it's it's forced co-op you cannot play it by yourself so the game itself also takes two people quite literally to beat it like you have to cooperate (laughs) Mm, see what they did there (laughs) yeah it's great and and you know like i think the game itself is maybe even an encapsulation of like i could actually see this game being something that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility if someone was like at couples counseling or something and they were like, hey, you know what? You guys need to work on your cooperation. You guys should play It Takes Two together and, and actually work work together. And if, if you're having like a fight or a rocky point in your relationship, like sit down with this game 10 or 15 <laughs> hours and, and like maybe you'll come out better on the other side, you know? <laughs> I mean, you say that and it sounds funny, but like legitimately, that's not a bad thing, right? Like it forces you to sit down and communicate and listen to each other and work together. And I'm sure the story like, from from all the amazing things I've heard, I've, I'm sure the story kind of like that. Does, that's a really sensitive subject, and not something that gets, um, like not something that a lot of games or or movies or shows delve into very much. And yeah. so, like, I could see that being something that really kind of like you know can give people a perspective or or kind of you know really hit them in a in a very like real way, depending on on how well it's executed. Yeah, de- definitely. And I mean, I think a game is a perfect medium for that kind of thing because it's inherently so interactive, right? Like you couldn't you could you couldn't go to couples counseling and then be like, "Okay, watch this TV series together and you'll be fine." This requires <laughs> yeah, you're sitting like silent and, yeah. <laughs> You have to talk and figure it out. And I think one of the things that the game does so well because it can be a bit of a heavy topic, right? Like these are Mm-hmm. I mean, this divorce, it's a serious topic. It's something that a lot of people go through and it's a very unfortunate thing. And this game makes it so humorous. Like, so w- when when the daughter gives them this relationship book to work through, the the whole crux of the game is basically like the they get sucked down into miniature size. It's kind of a honey, I shrunk the kids type of situation. And, and the daughter had made little dolls of, of her parents and whatnot. And so they get actually become the dolls and they have to go through these 
very like honey i shrunk the kids kind of areas so you start off and you're in you know her bedroom and everything's very very big and you're very small and and as you go through the game things become a bit more fantastical in different locations and for example she's very into like dinosaurs as a lot of little kids are mm-hmm. and there's one section you go through and her her dinosaur toys all come to life and it's like you're on this jurassic park-esque area and, it, and they're, they're all a lot of areas are very different like that there's another one you go to space and you're kind of defying gravity and all and going in space shuttles and stuff and it's, it becomes very like fantastical in a lot of sections but still somewhat grounded in in like what their daughter is interested in or, or different aspects of their relationship as individuals so it's it's a really cool setting and the game is like i said very very funny like the book itself becomes a character also um, when they okay. go into the this setting is like the, the book becomes a doctor called Dr. Hakeem and he's like this relationship counselor and very like sexy guy, you know, always coming in, he's <laughs> gyrating his hips and he's like, hey, like love is about <laughs> important connection. And like he's a hilarious he like, character. He sounds like he's the um the the head of the studio I'm blanking on his name, even though you said it a few times. Sounds like him personified because he's a very like yeah, out there right. kind of uh, <laughs> 100% yeah I can totally kind of see a flamboyant like, sort of character <laughs> 100% yeah and so um, the game the game basically goes through and every every section is like working on a different aspect of their relationship and he's he's guiding you through and and uh, leading you through each part of these things and and throughout the game it'll be you know oh May was you know the the wife was was not looking into after this part of her own self and so the game will kind of represent that in in what you're doing so she is a very hard worker and she doesn't um, always do a lot of fixing around the house like she had she'd promised she was going to fix the vacuum cleaner six months ago and never did it and then mm-hmm. one of the first things you encounter in the game is that the vacuum cleaner actually becomes one <laughs> of the bosses you have to fight and like reconcile with the fact that she didn't wow. take care of that in their relationship and so there's a lot of examples of stuff like that and and so it's really like every every chapter they're putting in work and fixing a part of their relationship and i think that actually is one of the few points of the that i would maybe criticize this game on is i just i feel like for the progress that you're physically making by going through these levels and and fixing different things in the relationship, it takes the characters a little bit longer to maybe become unified over their problems than than what the mechanics are showing you. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like the game is supposed to be if their relationships very tumultuous, like a one out of 10 at the start. And then by the end of the game, you're assuming to have fixed it. I'm not going to spoil what happens. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe the the scale which it ramps up and they, they fix it is kind of not so evenly paced. Like, I feel like it takes two thirds of the way through the game before, you know, they, they kind of start getting along. And it, it feels like maybe it should have been a bit quicker. But that, that's such a small gripe. And realistically, like, maybe that's just the way it would have went. You know, like, I don't know these mm-hmm. people super well. It's just maybe the way they are. But the, the game itself, like the, the real shine is not the story, though. It's the mechanics and the way that it plays. And so... I I just need to give this game a major shout out. So I so I think it's an amazing experience and they must have done this intentionally for people who are not very familiar with uh 3D platformers or in specifically controlling the camera in video games because right. I think that's a big barrier for people that don't play a lot of games is when you have to do the right stick on the camera. And mm-hmm. so playing yeah, this through absolutely. with Ash yeah, playing this through with Ash, like she she doesn't play a lot of games and she's relatively inexperienced doing that kind of control. And this game has an a, one of the best kind of assisted cameras I've ever seen. Like a lot of the time, if you don't want to, you don't even really have to move the camera around, even though it's a 3D game. 
And it, it's it's almost like if you've ever played, uh, for those who are listening, like Mario Kart uh, 8 on, mm-hmm. on the Switch. And, and you can play with that little antenna on the back of your car that prevents you from kind of going over the edge if you if you make a mistake. And it's not that it steers for you. It just kind of gives you that little assist. And it's it's very much like that. And it allows people who otherwise would probably be very turned off to actually experience the game. And and throughout doing so, you can still control the camera yourself and you can eventually like I mean, from the start of the game to the finish, Ash had improved so much in terms of like what she had the confidence to do and the controls. And I think it's just a great starting point for people who are a little bit intimidated by this type of game. Hmm. That's a that's a really good like detail because i think this kind of game like like you mentioned like you have to play it co-op and also i think just because of the the subject matter i think it's kind of like obviously you can play it with with a friend a you know family like whomever it is but i think there's that little extra push of this to appeal to like a couple mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think like there's all it's not uncommon that you get um you know, like one person who's into games and one person who's not into games. And I think like, it's kind of a nice, that it, that is a nice detail because this is the sort of game I think a lot of people I know who have played it have been like, oh, like I'll play it like with my girlfriend who like doesn't normally play games with me, but like, you know, like she'll play this, she'll play, you know, the occasional kind of mm-hmm, like party mm-hmm. game or something. But like, this is maybe a little bit more of like an less casual, more like intimate experience with a game, but it's also like, still very like comfortable in that way yeah totally and it's it's a great experience for like i mean i would i would never have sat for example her down to play like mario odyssey or something before i I think it just she wouldn't have enjoyed it because of the camera but after playing this there's there's the potential where it's like you know if she came to me and said hey i'd like to play mario odyssey i'd I'd say like yeah you you probably could do it now that you've you played this i think i think it's just something that really needs to be shouted out and i'm sure there's other games that do it well as also but this is definitely the experience i've had that that gives people like newer players that that experience that's great and the like i said though the mechanics are where the game shine and and because the game makes it so easy to get into it i i think it allows the the puzzles to kind of take over and, and just become intuitive instead of like fighting the controls sometimes and the way that the game handles the mechanics is so smart so in every area along with like you get a standard move set which is like a double jump you got a dash you eventually mm-hmm. get like a grappling hook where you can go on hooks and swing across pretty standard stuff but then every every section also has a unique mechanic so when i was talking about say for example fixing the vacuum cleaner earlier as one of the first areas you each character gets a different tool to go along with that so um ash had she had a, an ability to shoot nails like throw them like a bow and arrow and they'd stick okay. into the wall and in, in certain um types of t- certain types of walls you could stick nails into them and then i had the head of a hammer strapped to my back so i could actually <laughs> use that to bash the, the nails in or i could also swing off them kind of like uh like hinges almost on the on the back of the hammer and so she would be like throwing nails into the wall and i'd be swinging across and doing some platforming and it was just such a intrinsically cooperative experience and there's other examples of that like in that space section i was talking about before um, she gained the ability to grow herself really big or really small just like ant-man 
And then mm-hmm. I was able to uh, defy, I got like gravity boots, like in Ratchet and Clank, and I could kind of walk up certain sections of the wall and, and be on the roof or be on the wall and stuff. And so just combining those mechanics together into very creative puzzle sections and, and like, okay, if you go up the wall over here, then I go really big, then I can push this over to you and then I can get on the side of this and then you push me back over here and then I can get up there and press the switch, like that kind of thing. And, and I, I really enjoyed the creativity with all these mechanics and, Every section is was just short enough to where, you know, they, they got their ideas out with whatever set of tools you'd be given and then it wouldn't outstay its welcome and you'd be on to the next one and, and get a whole new fresh set of mechanics. And so the pacing was just perfect in that way. And, and I think for the most part, maybe there was a couple sections where, you know, we were kind of, oh, this wasn't as fun as the last time, you know, like maybe this isn't mm-hmm. the, the other or the other one was so fun. I would have liked another half an hour, an hour of of using these, these right. different tools we've been given. But overall, I think it was paced out really, really well. And right. I, I I would love to tell you more about the different mechanics. <laughs> There's so many cool ones that you get, but I, I really don't want to spoil it because. Yeah, you got to save it. Yeah, you got to save it. And so okay. but it, it's 100 percent worth worth going through and seeing. And I, I also think it would be well worth your time to go through and like I'd be down to play this again with someone else and and be the other character because you'd get the opposite mechanic right and it's almost like not half the game is different because you'd still know the puzzles and it's not that they're all like super super advanced mechanics but just getting the opposite viewpoint I think would be pretty fun in the future right um, yeah that sounds that sounds really good the, the game sounds fantastic I really like and obviously, um, we were here was quite a different style of a puzzle game. But I really like these kind of creative games that give you a cooperative experience where each person has something unique that they can do and that you have to rely on each other. I really hope that this style of, of puzzle game gets even more like recognition and more people take, try their hand at it because they're my favorite like this are some of the best co-op experiences because you you really do rely on each other and there's that extra sense of teamwork that you don't get from just a regular co-op game right yeah it's not like playing a co-op shooter where one person could just get all the headshots and the other person doesn't really do need to do too much like this is Mm -hmm. you need to both execute right yeah exactly or like the style of puzzle games where it's like oh one person figured it out okay we you know, yeah, they just told us yeah. what to do. It's like, well, like, even if one person does figure it out, like, you still both need to execute it together. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's there's just so many examples of that. I, I just couldn't recommend this game strong enough. And the only other one I'll give you is like, there's also boss fights in the game, right? Like I mentioned. And so mm-hmm. there's there's a couple boss fights that are very asynchronous. And like, you're almost doing two completely different things. Like there, there was one in that space section. And I will spoil this one just because I think it's a great example is so we're fighting against this flying saucer kind of enemy and it's the same mechanic where ash could shrink down and get really small and i could uh do the gravity thing and so what ended up happening was is that she had to shrink down really small and kind of get inside of the flying saucer and so while she was inside and doing this platforming and going through like the mechanical parts of how the ship worked and getting to i guess like the engine to blow it up or something and meanwhile i was in the boss arena literally platforming and doing like a bullet hell dodging activity to try and like avoid myself getting zapped by lasers and and it was almost like oh my god this is so intense like oh i can't look at your screen you know i'm so busy with this platforming <laughs> section and like two completely different experiences but we're still working together to to beat the boss and it was it's like stuff like that i think is really special and and where this game really shines so definitely definitely check it out if you get a chance and that's that's both for you and for everyone listening because it's this is an outstanding game wow 
I was already like super wanting to play it and now it's just like skyrocket. I gotta play um um A Way Out. A Way Out first. Mm-hmm. I I yeah. can't believe I haven't played that yet. It's, it's I bought it and like on a good sale and I was so excited and then just haven't gotten around to it. But like, oh man, I think it's one of those games where it's like, you know, one of these days, the next day it rains, it's not so nice out, sit down with a drink and you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna get through it. <laughs> hey, if you're really desperate, I will play it with you because I enjoy these games so much. But um, anyway, maybe we should move along and very quickly touch on our PS Plus games for May because we did play both of these. And I think that unfortunately mm-hmm. it's been one of the weaker months for PS Plus. So let's just maybe go through these quick. I know we're running a little bit long on this section, but so I played Stranded Deep for, for PS Plus in May. Uh, and you know, these games where you're kind of, surviving and and you just get stranded on an island or whatever and you got to build your camp and collect resources and craft and all this stuff like the the concept is so cool and i really enjoyed something like uh like don't starve especially because mm-hmm. it was co-op and you 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 know have to build your camp fight enemies craft all that all that good stuff and so the concept is great but i mean this game just it didn't make the experience very easy for the player i i just have to say it like the, especially with the inventory and the controls, it just felt a really clunky. And and I don't want to insult the game and get really negative because I'm sure it's probably a smaller team that made it. And, and it, it's not bad in any sense. If you're looking for a survival game, there's actually a lot of depth in this. Like there's, there's a lot of crafting. You can make some very elaborate kind of bases and you can build like boats with motors on them eventually and mechanical parts and, and all kinds of different, like very advanced things. That I mean, I didn't get far enough into it to to get to those, but I mean, they're there. They're on the crafting menu, and so I would imagine that you could survive and build yourself quite a nice little living situation on some of these islands. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, the the it it struggle. It's it's not like a, a, a sleek experience. Like so, a, a good mm-hmm. example of this would be like so. Your inventory right has say eight inventory spots in it. And say in my inventory, I had a rock and a stick, and I wanted to put them together to make uh, like a crude knife. So you'd think. Right. That by having both of those in your inventory, even if I had all inventory slots, all eight of them full with something, that by combining those together, it would just put it in one of the slots and then give me uh, one of the slots free, right? Oh, and, no. But yes, the way that it you works, would hope so. you would hope so. But the way it actually works is that the knife that I'm trying to make seems to be like a ninth item. And so you actually need to clear an inventory spot before the knife will even appear even though the other ones are going to disappear after you're done crafting. And so it's like a constant battle of like, okay, I'm collecting all these resources because I literally need all of them, but, oh, I need to make a knife. Okay, I'm going to drop these branches, then make the knife and pick the branches back up. And it's just like (laughs) this constant struggle of like things are all over the floor because I don't have any spots in my inventory. And it was just maybe, I don't know, a a little bit of a disorganized mess in that way. But um, I mean... The I think where this game would shine would be maybe in like a stream setting or or like playing with some friends and trying to like make your own kind of narrative around what's going on. Yeah. And there's a, there's like a cool day night cycle. And something that I really did like is that there's there's like weather also. And you have to be uh, worried about being in the sun for too long. Like you can get you can get burnt or I, I, I would imagine like rain maybe has some effects on some things you're building later. Like it's pretty cool like that. And uh other than that it's just like surviving and and building like i said and so a funny story of what happened though i'll give you the cole's notes of my playthrough because i did i was like you know what i'm gonna survive for for like (laughs) as long as i can and that'll be my experience with this game so i started off stranded my ship uh or like my little dinghy on this first island and the first island you get to is very limited it's like 
you know, very basic resources, just enough to survive. I'm right. Drinking tutor- coconuts. It's Tutorial Island. Yeah. yeah tutorial <laughs> Island. And so I stayed there for a few days and I was like, you know what? Like there's nothing left here for me, man. I, I got to get back in my boat and I can see another little island off in the distance. And so kind of left on the, left the island I was on. I actually found a wrecked ship, which had some great supplies. That's where I found like some mechanical parts and some gas and luckily some rations and stuff. So that was, that was actually really cool. And so I made it to this next island, but the second I landed there, all of a sudden there was like these giant crabs and these boars that were there and they were like attacking me and doing this damage. And I, and I had like a very crude weapons. Like I had this little spear and I was just looking at my health, like, man, I'm not going to survive here. Like this is too dangerous. And so I ended up just gathering what I could very quickly. And I just booked it off that second island to a third island that was very far away. So by the time I was kind of getting close to being there, I was looking at my watch, which apparently is a magic watch that can tell you how hungry you are or how thirsty you are just by looking at the screen. And (laughs) um, so thank God I was stranded at least with the watch. Otherwise, you know, might've been even more screwed. Right. There's no other way to to physically know if you're hungry. No, no, (laughs) That's good. (laughs) But so I paddled for what must've been like 30 hours, no joke, like overnight, just paddling. My My guy must've been like fucking exhausted by the time I got there. And starving. And starving. Well, I had the rations. That was fine. But oh, also my boat got flipped over and there was a shark in the water and that was somehow I survived that. But uh, so I got to this new island and there was actually like a wrecked ship there. And there was a, a guy, he he seemed to have built like a flipped his canoe over on the beach and kind of propped it up and made a little shelter under there. And his skeleton was there. So I ended up finding a bunch of his resources. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was actually cool. Like it, it made it feel like the world was lived in. And like I'm in a very dangerous area in terms of like, oh, God, someone else was shipwrecked here. I'm going to die because <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> this person was screwed like you know, and it, it kind of at that moment, I knew that my character was doomed. So <laughs> I decided I was going to try and leave that island, got partially away. And then my boat got flipped again. And I, I just I couldn't unflip it. Like I had to swim back to the island. Otherwise, I was going to start being too oh, no. thirsty and too hungry and die. Now You thought you were stranded the first time, but yeah, now you really no. are stranded. <laughs> exactly. So I did that and then I made it back to the island. And that's kind of where I was just like, you know, I think I'm done with this for now. I'm probably going to. If I was to continue playing this, my character would just kind of perish slowly and on this island and whatnot. So I called it quits on on at that point. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a survival game, I don't think it's terrible. I think you just need to go in expecting you're going to have some little bit of jank and, and like uncomfortability and controls. But but um, yeah, I mean, I had a funny story to tell about it, so maybe it wasn't <laughs> the worst thing. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's, I- that's uh, Stranded Deep. I think it's key with those kind of games, like you really need to like want to build your own narrative as you play. And I think it's the kind of game where like it either appeals to you or it or it doesn't. They're very like niche in that way that if you if you get into it and, and you know, you want to set goals for yourself, like I'm going to build a little like shelter. Or I'm going to do this hunting for the day. Like you need to kind of like be self-motivated in that way mm-hmm, to enjoy mm-hmm. those games um whereas if you kind of just go into it and you want to see what the game has to offer then it's you know it, it you, it's not going to create that level of immersion for you i think yeah, a lot right. of them so exactly. yeah i think yeah they're just that's just how those games work um well i i had a a funny time with Wreckfest. so i i'm not going to tell you if i think Wreckfest is a good game or not because i don't feel qualified I don't play card games. I don't know what makes one better than another. This one, the the gimmick of it, or I guess not necessarily a gimmick, but what sets it apart is that it's got the 
a little bit more of a focus on the damage. So when you're doing a race, you can hit other players and their car takes damage. And then if you hit them, they become like, or if they hit you, they become like your rival for the race. So then mm -hmm. if you hit them back, you get more points. And then also they have levels where instead of a race, it's basically just like a big open stadium and you have to drive into each other to, to break the other cars. It's like, it gave me destruction all-stars flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it felt fine to control. Um, there were, you know, there was car customization options that seemed pretty in depth with all different types of like change this exhaust and this other part of your car and, and stuff that, you know, like if you're into cars, that's exciting. If you're not really into cars like me, mm -hmm. then, you know, I, I just, I don't know what's going to be a better exhaust pipe for my car. Yeah, you just look at the stat bars. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I, there's nothing that stood out about it. Is it played bad? So, um, it's going to get a check in that box. And instead of telling you whether or not it's good, I'm going to tell you the things I thought that were funny about it because <laughs> I like it. I like it. this game is like, if you ever watch Spike TV, that channel, <laughs> <laughs> this game is the game for you. <laughs> Um, and I can sum it all up. Actually, I'll, I'll do this point at the end because I think it's like, it totally sums up the game, but, um, they, it really has that kind of like, yeah, badass, like man's game sort of vibe to it. Like the music I actually enjoyed cause it's got like punk rock kind of like angsty music, but it reminded me of playing like the old NHL games where you have like Billy oh talent God, going yes. and stuff. Excellent. So I actually like. When you play, normally it makes the background music very quiet and like your engine very loud. But actually, after like halfway through the first race, I just flipped those two so that the music was really loud because <laughs> I enjoyed that part. Um, the AI racers all get amazing names. You can play online um, or you can play just like the single player campaign stuff. Um, so here are I've written down some of my favorite AI names. And you have to tell me which one you think is your favorite. Okay. So, Mr. Razor. <laughs> Psycho Missile. Okay, that's going to be hard to beat. <laughs> Uncle Big Bob. <laughs> Sledgehammer. Yep. Ramona Rotten. Oh, damn. Nutty Freak. And Clutch Slayer. <laughs> damn, Clutch Slayer? I think yes. I think I'd like Clutch Slayer to be on my team the most because he sounds like he'd win me some matches. But I yeah, mean, how can you not go with Psycho Missile? Psycho Missile, yeah, exactly. Is it like a Metal Gear boss? Yeah, right. <laughs> is he is he a racer? So. Sounds like a Mega Man X bat enemy. <laughs> he does. So that was my. I think Sledgehammer might be my favorite. It's like just so simple. So but blunt. Like, yeah, so blunt. So good. it's very blunt. Yes. Um. So that was that was good. And I think what sums up my experience the best was I decided I would go customize my car. I've played a couple matches. Oh, and actually I should say as well, I played the online and the racing felt very much the same. It was good. I did horrible. I came last. Um, that's besides the point. The best part is I'm assuming this is a setting you can change, but it just puts you into a voice chat with all the other players automatically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't tell you. So I was driving and then all of a sudden I heard someone kind of like laugh quietly and like it was coming through the controller because i didn't have a headset 
in yeah, or anything. Yeah. So like I was listening to the, the music of the game like through my regular TV speakers. But then I heard this like quiet laugh and I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I was like, I could have sworn I just heard someone. This is weird. And then all of a sudden I started hearing people talk. And I was like, oh my God, it's coming from the game. It's coming from my PS5 controller. And I don't know if these people like knew they were also on voice chat because I didn't. There wasn't like, I did notice like as you're driving, you can see like it pop up with like the name of the person talking mm -hmm. when they talk. But like it took me a, like a lap or two before I noticed that. Um, so I don't know if these people just didn't notice, but there was like a guy talking to like someone else, not someone in the match with him. So you could only hear one half of the conversation, but he was like talking about like, his favorite chip brand that was discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was so funny to just do like this one race. And I was like, I was purposely being very quiet because I kind of want to like it to oh, be man. really awkward and interrupt us. But he was like talking about his like favorite like dill pickle chips. It was so weird. <laughs> I'm so glad you played Wreckfest just to get that experience. Yes, it was so honestly, happy. it was my second favorite part of the game. My first favorite part was I decided I would customize the paint job of my car because it's very important to have a cool looking car, you know, put some flames on it, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. put some truck balls on, whatever. Make sure the engine sticks out of the hood. Exactly. So I had four options for the car that I had. So the one it originally was and three additional choices. And the one I picked perfectly sums up how I feel about the game. It was like the same car, but it just said nuts across the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I Excellent. Picked. Excellent. And and that was breakfast. Wow. What an I, experience. I had a I, I had fun for like an hour two hours and I was like, I mm -hmm. think I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like I have this weird craving to have a monster energy drink. Like yeah, right, right, right. I'm done. <laughs> Damn. I, I hope I can eventually craft a, a raft that says nuts on it and strand it deep. That would really be uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal feature. It would um, be just make, make sure that you got enough inventory space when you, when you start your craft. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. All right, Kate. Well, I think that's going to do us for what we've been playing this week. Uh, so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with the news for this episode. So please, guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, everyone, welcome back to the second part of the show, which, as you all know, is the news section. So let's jump right into it. Um, yesterday, May 27th, we had a state of play featuring new gameplay from uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which, of course, is one of the most anticipated games uh, that Sony really has that's announced. Um, obviously, people love Horizon. I don't think... Did you play Horizon? I haven't, actually. It's one of the big um, exclusive games from like PS4 that I haven't got around to yet. Yeah. Yeah. I've only played, I think I played like five or six hours and I kind of fell off. So maybe this is, we're both going to be talking from a, a bit of a point of like not <laughs> being experts on this game. But I mean, let's just talk about it. The state of play, like we said at the top of the show, every time they do one of these gameplay reveals and like extended gameplay looks at, at a, these Sony Studios games, like they, they just look unbelievable. We just had it with Ratchet and Clank. This one, the same thing. Like I just can't believe that games look this good. You know, when you really take a step back and, and just like 
think about like 10 years ago, if we would have seen a game that looked like this and the kind of the mechanical parts breaking off these creatures and like the water coming down the, the waterfalls, it's just mind boggling how these things look. And I, I'm just so blown away by by the, the look of the game. Um, I guess that's what I wanted to shout out at the start because it's just <laughs> so impressive. Yeah, I think I think that's like, if not the biggest takeaway, the, the initial thing that really catches your eye when you're watching it, because like, and you know, I'm sure they, they script it to be these like really nice sequences, but it's yeah, just yeah. so gorgeous. And like, you know, you're going to get those kind of like Vista views and when you're playing the game or when you're traveling through the jungle, the way the light shines through the trees and it just looks, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and on, on the underwater section too, like that, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen something underwater in a game look so good. Like the way you can see the enemy's legs kind of going through and yeah, amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, it impressed me. And especially after playing The Last of Us, which is a gorgeous game in its own right. And like every time I booted that game up, I was blown away how good it still looks. But the underwater sections were like, oh, just throw a blue murky filter on it. Like <laughs> it, that was one part of the game that did not look good. So in comparison, it's like, holy shit, like this underwater is like, it's so colorful and like tropical and like. It it almost makes it seem like it might be fun to be underwater in a video game. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, don't don't speak too much. We we don't know about that yet, but I mean, it looks promising though. That's for sure. Um, I I mean, I wish one of us had played Horizon to have more perspective on maybe what it meant story wise because he earlier or in the trailer, right? Ayla runs into I forget that guy's name, Erlin or or something like that. Aaron remember. or something. Aaron, yeah. Aaron, I think. And like the way he's revealed that that must be a cool reveal for people that have played. I just can't really speak. To yeah, him. well, I, I saw online um, someone had posted like a screenshot of like what he looked like in the previous game and then what he looks like now. So I'm assuming he is like a notable character. And so, yeah, I, the, the story, uh, yeah, I didn't have a huge takeaway on, on that side of it because obviously like I'm unfamiliar. I try not to look things up before I go into a game. So um, that didn't stand out to me. It was more the visuals and then the combat as well, which which looks really good. It's very cinematic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like, uh, I mean, from the little I played of the first one, I found that the the range, some of the ranged weapons were a lot more fun to use than the melee. And maybe that's just mm -hmm. because I didn't unlock a lot of options or, or whatnot. So take my opinion with a grain of salt. But I definitely think that this one, just from what they showed, and like you said, it's, it's definitely like a scripted sequence and something they really wanted to show off that showcases a lot of the abilities. But I think like the, the melee combat looks very much improved in this one like the way that she's kind of swinging that spear around and she plugs that that augmentation or whatever into the end of the spear at one point mm -hmm. and it gets like supercharged like that looks really awesome and just swip it swapping around through all the different weapons and and the different kind of like some of them arc and explode and then you got the regular bow like they just seem to really synergize really well and it looks like the combat's going to be a lot of fun yeah absolutely and i, I like how the transitions look good too. It looks like you can really go from like melee and then you kind of push the enemy away and now you're going to use your bow and it looks like it's very fluid, um, mm -hmm. which I think mm -hmm. will be an important for, for a game like this. So yeah, I, I think mostly like it, it um, Horizon has always been something I've wanted to play and it's mostly been for the world. I think the creatures design are so cool and uh, I like the setting a lot. So that's always what's been the biggest draw for me. Um, but I haven't gotten around to it yet, but this has definitely made me want to play the original game more and give me a little bit more motivation to, you know, see what the world's all about. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think maybe we should, we should challenge ourselves and maybe at some point this year before, well, I mean, we didn't get a release date for this game. So I know a lot of people were speculating it's going to be 
kind of fall or, or later this year, but they didn't say that. So maybe before we see a release date, maybe we should make a pact and like go through this game and both maybe play it and talk about it on the show at some point just to see if either one of us w- wants to pick this up as well. Yeah, I I definitely um, will take you up on that because I'm, I'm very positive on it. Um, there is one thing that kind of, I was a little wary of in the, in the state of play, um, is that how much she talks to herself and Mm -hmm, maybe you mm -hmm. can illuminate that to me if that really is that frequent in game, because I thought also like for the trailer, it's a good tool to kind of like tell the audience what the player's doing, kind of what's going on, the motivation, um, instead of having like someone talk over the game. So I think like maybe it's not as it does not as frequent when you're actually playing versus you know what they they used it as a tool for the trailer but i found that like throughout this trailer there was a lot of like okay i'm just gonna run up this way okay i'm Mm -hmm, just gonna sneak mm -hmm. by here like oh wow like i did it like a lot of like just like self dialogue and i don't think that's like a bad thing in games like sometimes it can give you like a little bit extra characterization um, but I found that this was just like a lot and it kind of like was distracting and, and took me out a little bit and it just, it didn't feel like natural, like, you know, someone would really like say that much, especially when they're like sneaking around and whatnot. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah. I'm with is, you. Is, is that something in the, in the first game you remember being? You know, my, my memory, <laughs> my memory is a little hazy. I will like I played this when it first came out, right? Like it was right. quite a while ago. I, I don't remember it being like that. And I think you were you're probably bang on by saying like, yeah, this is a trailer. So they're probably having that added in instead of having some mm-hmm. guy narrate over top of the gameplay to take us out of it. So I think yes. I think that's probably what it is. I, I don't think it would be like that. It seems like a big <laughs> mistake if they were to make her that talkative because you're you're right. Like it, it was a bit annoying. And mm-hmm. I think, it, I think, yeah, it was just narrating for the trailer if I had to guess, but okay. I mean, I, <laughs> who, who's to say <laughs> that? We'll have to I hoped, see. yeah. <laughs> have to wait and see. I, I think it's interesting how this game originally had released so close to Breath of the Wild and how it seems to have taken so much influence from Breath of the Wild into its sequel, like with the glider yes. um, that's I, been introduced and everything. The glider is, is something I'm seeing pop up in a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and and maybe, I don't know if other games did it for Breath of the Wild. It's definitely the first like big game I've seen utilize it. And it's just such a core concept of the world exploration. But like, I love the glider. I think it's a fantastic idea. Like it's such a fun way to traverse the world. And especially games that have like um, an element of like verticality and yeah. climbing it, it is so nice to just be able to like here i go and you get a beautiful view as you, as you go along and and like you don't have to worry about like fall damage or like the tedium of having to go back down a mountain you've just climbed so like i i love that games are taking the glider and i think it's it's beautiful <laughs> yeah i i totally with you again like and especially like a big open world like this is going to be a, mm-hmm. i'm assuming a pretty big map so it just adds that little bit of oh i really need to get over here i'm just going to climb up this mountain and glide my way over don't have to worry about you know traversing this climbing this getting around this obstacle mm-hmm. like you can just get where you need to go quicker too which i think is a, is a big positive yeah, and, it, so. and it feels good while you're doing it mm-hmm. which yeah. is also important yeah so i don't know any final thoughts on the trailer i think i think it was good i mean i'm not i'm not going to say I'm going to run out and for sure be buying this one like I I think it kind of has to win me over considering my opinion on the first game like the way it didn't draw me in it's not Mm -hmm. like you know I I I would say like it's 
this is not anything close to an instant buy for me or anything, but I think I'm definitely more uh, inclined to give the first game a go after seeing the trailer. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I feel as well. And it's kind of the reason why I haven't played the first game yet is that it's it's on my list. I'm very interested, but it just isn't quite the top of my list. And so mm -hmm. I've been playing other things. Um, but I, I definitely like I do want to get around to it. It, it. it looks good. And like even just for like the world, it, it's such a yeah. cool I love that like blend of like the technology but also like the the wilderness like it's such a cool juxtaposition yeah, yeah. of the two so 100 percent. and like when she brings up that hologram map and and kind of you know mm -hmm. the earpiece they have and they can they can manipulate it with their hands as if they're from mass effect but then they're also living in like jurassic park so <laughs> super cool that's right super cool uh setting yeah for sure um why don't we move along to our second news story kate which of course is ps plus for mm -hmm. june 2021 uh, for those that are joining us for the first time, you might know, or you might not know, that every month we both pick one of the PS Plus games to check out on the show and talk about, just like we did in the first section. Hopefully we enjoy these ones a little bit more than, <laughs> than the ones we had uh, for May. You know, but we'll PS see. Plus has been really good lately, so we can't complain. It has, yeah. No, very, I mean, we had some funny stories anyway. It was by mm -hmm. far, uh, you know, still, still enjoyable. But uh, for June 2021, we have Operation Tango on PS5. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons on PS4, and as well as Virtua Fighter 5 on PS4. Uh, so an interesting selection this month. And I mean, I I want to just shout out Star Wars Squadrons. I played this on the show last year, and I had a blast playing that game. I, I remember like having very fond memories of it and thinking like, wow, this is actually really cool. I wish this was in VR, and I'd love to go back and play it in, uh, in that sense one day. But um, I think uh, Operation Tango is looking like the pick here, right? Operation Tango is very exciting. Yeah, it was a game I'd totally forgotten about. And then when I learned about the PS Plus games, it was like, oh, it's kind of familiar. But like, what was it? I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. It looks so good. It, it's very similar to um, the We Were Here series that uh, we've we've gone through on the show. So I, I'm really interested to play Tango and just kind of see how it compares. Um, and then... And also, as we said, we just we really like those cooperative puzzle style games. So I'm, I'm definitely really excited about having access to that game. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's funny you, you mentioned like not remembering what it was. I, I remember I, I can't remember which presentation it was in, but we'd seen and we'd, we'd done our like impressions of a trailer of this game previously on the on the show. And so coming back and like seeing seeing this game again, like, oh, yeah, like I remember this. This <laughs> looks so much fun. And and you're right. Like it's interesting timing, too, after we just finished going through all the we were here games that we're going to get to play this now. And and because we were just saying from we were here, it's like we we love the concept. It was a very fun experience, but probably our biggest overall takeaway was that it's not the most high budget, like super polished experience. And so Operation Tango very much might be exactly that. And so I think we should both both play this through and and, and uh, talk about it on the show for sure. Like this is going to be a very fun thing, I would I would hope <laughs> for both of us to check out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think I'll also give Squadrons a try because I know you're really big on it and it wasn't yeah. something that I would have I would have picked up. But with having access to it, I might, you know, sit down for at least an hour and just check it out. Oh, I, I would totally recommend it. Yeah, it might not be for you. Like, I don't know if the plane thing really, really is like something you're interested in, but it's, it's worth trying for sure, especially since it's kind of a niche genre of game and, and mm -hmm. just trying something out of your wheelhouse you know like i'd never really played aside from a couple ace combats like a little bit of squadrons and then i got really into squadrons and got through the whole campaign had a good time 
And I think it's something I would like to even go back and do the multiplayer, but I think I would want to have a full team of people to coordinate with rather than, you know, just me and like a single friend and then three randoms or something. But uh, yeah, and in Virtua Fighter, I mean, nah, fighting game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I give an hour to Squadrons, you can give an hour to Virtua uh, Fighter. <laughs> we'll see. I'm a, I'm a busy guy these days. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Depends how long Operation Tango takes us. All right, thank you. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, at least Operation Tango next show. Maybe maybe a bit of Squadrons too. We'll see. But uh, very much looking forward to that. And our final story for the news section this this week is a quick one, but I just wanted to shout it out because uh, we have Souls fan number one uh, on the show here today, <laughs> which is that uh, there's a rumor going around. There's a f- game called Final Fantasy Origin uh, going to be revealed at E3. Uh, ties in nicely with our E3 predictions episode also. But apparently this game is going to be produced by Team Ninja, of course, who makes the Neo series. Uh, of course, there's Souls-like games, very uh, very aligned with that kind of game game style. So this is exciting news because apparently this game is tied into like the original Final Fantasy storyline, and it's going to be a Souls-like game. Like this, this seems like a cool project. Yes, this has caught my eye. I mean, you say Souls-like, and like I don't know, my ears start burning, and I I <laughs> I, I awaken from my slumber, <laughs> and I'm ready, but. Um, yeah, it looks good. I, I wish I could say I played Neo. Um, I bought it a while back. It's actually one of the, aside from Ghost of Tsushima, it is the other game that I, I still have my PS4 kicking around for. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I bought the physical copy on like a really nice sale and I uh, just hadn't got around to it yet. Um, but it looks really good. I'm excited to play it. But of course, it's like, well, I own it now. I'd love to play it on five. But yeah, um, I've heard really good things. I know it's a really like, highly acclaimed game it, it does the souls kind of style well but it's also got a lot of its own unique aspects to it i think it's got a lot of like it's known for having um really interesting like stances that you that you take kind of like how ghost and tsushima you change your your sword stance and then it allows right, you to yeah. do different different moves and I, I think they kind of maybe go even a little more in depth with that kind of a thing so i, I think they're really, they're very creative studios so um i'm interested final fantasy is one of those big series that i just I, I know some stuff about just because it, it's so prevalent, but I've never really like played any of the games. Like my Final Fantasy experience has been tactics, which we love. Yeah. And like the Final Fantasy characters I've seen in Kingdom Hearts. So like <laughs> that's not that's not a great record. Um Hey, this I, might be a good jumping off point then. Of course yeah, you gotta play you gotta play seven as well. Or uh sorry, seven remake at some point as well. Yeah, obviously. absolutely. That that's that's on the list too. So this these two might be my my break into Final Fantasy kind of yeah, kind of games. It, it's interesting. <laughs> this might be I've I've kind of gone through a bit of a Final Fantasy renaissance the last little bit. Like I've really enjoyed the seven remake uh, and tactics, obviously, and then I've ten Final Fantasy ten is one of my favorite RPGs ever. And so and I've also dabbled around with a couple of the older ones as well. I've never really beaten them, but kind of went through. But I plan on playing Final Fantasy six soon as well. And like I I'm kind of becoming a pseudo Final Fantasy kind of fan, you know. And so maybe this will be where we unify our your soul's alignment with kind of my interest in Final Fantasy and. <laughs> And maybe we'll have like one of those, you know, that meme where it's like the two really jack guys, like yeah, with the yes, and they're like can shaking. Yeah, maybe that'll be us. <laughs> Who knows? I we like still have it. to wait and see if this is even a real game, of, of course, first. But it seems like, right. you know, where there's smoke, there's fire kind of on this. And so hopefully it's real. Hopefully we see it in E3 and, and hopefully it's good. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, Kate, I think that's the news for this week. So we'll take another short break and then we're going to come back with some spicy, spicy E3 predictions. So uh, don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of the show, where, of course, it is time for everyone's favorite video game podcast segment, E3 Predictions. Uh, we did some predictions last year as well, I believe, right? And uh, I don't think either of us were super successful. We, we did not do well, but that doesn't mean our last year's predictions can't come true this year. <laughs> That's so right. That's right. Maybe um, maybe we'll get some retroactive points and some real points this year. Yeah, you, you know, we'll take the retroactive points too because points of any kind are just, you know, what that's what we want. Um so I think the way it's going to work is we both have six predictions, uh three of which are PlayStation focused and three of which can be from any other aspect of E3 whether it's another company, E3 itself, just whatever it happens to be. Um, so we'll just, I think we're just going to throw them out in no particular order. I think we'll maybe mm -hmm. keep our, our hottest takes until the very end just to save those for last. But um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think maybe we'll we'll try and keep some score just to see if either of us get any type of points. I think we'll, we should agree each prediction's worth one point. We can maybe qualify some half points in there if you want, right? Well, case yeah, by case basis. I think so. I think last time when we judged it, we sort of, it's a point if you're right, but we also kind of like judged it, you know, a little bit especially for tiebreakers based off of like, well, how, you know, how safe was that prediction? And I think you ended up winning or getting more points because we, we actually tied in points, but one of mine was a bit like safe. Mm -hmm, and we, mm -hmm, we agreed mm -hmm. that like, you know, your prediction was a little bit more bold and, and therefore it deserved <laughs> that, that little bit point two of a point more. Right, right. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes this time. We'll, we'll keep score maybe on next episode or, or some other time in the future. And we'll uh, we'll check them out. But I did put out a tweet on our Twitter at CNS Pod earlier today, uh, just to see if anyone in the community, you know, had some some predictions that wanted to write in and, and give us anything. And we did get one response from our good friend of the show, Jazz, who's written in some listener mail questions before. And he he wanted to point out that uh, he thinks Tony Hawk is going to be a DLC uh, for PlayStation All Star Battle Royale, and that is one of the hottest <laughs> E3 takes I've ever seen. Not only because Tony Hawk would be an awesome character, and actually I picked him I think for our uh, creating the roster of the sequel in, mm -hmm. in one of our episodes back uh, a few a little while ago, but also the fact that they would be doing DLC for PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale in 2021. That's like the hottest E3 take I've ever seen, and I love it. <laughs> I you know. I feel like this was a personal attack and <laughs> I'm not going to stand for it. <laughs> but at the same time, if they did that, I don't think, I think there would be tears. I won't think I'd be able to speak for like a solid 10 minutes. I'd laugh so hard. And like out of all the predictions I've got, I almost hope that this one comes true the most because Man, of so. how absurd it would be. <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you, I'll say this to everyone on the show. You can hold me to this. If this is true, I will play a Tony Hawk game. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Come on, come on, please make it happen. All right. Mm -hmm. um, so, Kate, uh, let's get into our predictions here. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you? How what are you feeling? Um, I'll go first because I've got one prediction here that's a follow up from last year's predictions, and uh, I don't feel like I got this prediction wrong. I was just a little bit too ahead of the timeline. Um, so I'm gonna I'm using one of my prediction spots to say that the Sony Cinematic Universe is still coming. Don't worry, it's just a little delayed from from COVID, and uh, we're still getting you know Uncharted's coming out yep. soon, and and we're still getting all these shows. It's it's happening. Do not panic, everyone. It's gonna be bigger than the MCU. <laughs> Ooh, now is that a part of your official prediction that it's bigger than that the MCU? Yes, I I will like two points, please, because that is oh, a damn. detail I'm committing to. <laughs> God damn! All right, well that's that's worth like four hundred 
thousand points if that's ever if that's ever true so Look, we'll see I, iron man's gone what are they gonna do without him we can win <laughs> yeah so just like when you say the sony cinematic universe are you meaning like there's gonna be crossover movies and all types of stuff or like what is the definition of this or are you just saying yeah. they're gonna continue to make like properties into tv and movies I, and stuff i think it, it's just gonna be like the mcu formula you know like you're gonna have your last of us show you're gonna have your uncharted show and then they're gonna do all of these seemingly separate things and then we're gonna have a like end game oh my god it's actually been canon this whole time and they're all gonna like have their assemble moment <laughs> <laughs> and and it's gonna be like you're gonna get shivers <laughs> oh my god i would too aloy runs in astrobots there Exactly. Eve escape they're all on the loose <laughs> he's on the, that's that's <laughs> how it all ties together right exactly, all the yeah. apes are on the loose Ape and escape. like kratos has to go help everyone find them all <laughs> exactly yeah i like it um well I'll, I'll give my first prediction and it kind of might tie into your actual your sony cinematic universe so mm -hmm. let me let me throw this one out there i think we're going to as part of the sony cinematic universe get uh, a mention of a ratchet and clank tv show but this is going to yeah. be an animated kids TV show um, because, you know, like new games coming out. Uh, Rivet's mm -hmm. just been introduced. It's kind of like a female co-lead along with Ratchet, which is mm -hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of TV shows have that generic kind of party of four. You know, they have the, the male lead, the female lead. Uh, then you got Quark as kind of the hearty idiot, kind of endearing character. And then finally you got uh, Clank, who's like the, the intelligent one that explains what's going on to the audience through being like a big nerd or something. Right. Uh, so so I think that's a good good combination. <laughs> They'd have some good chemistry and and um, I could I could see that happening. And I think there's a there's a lot of cross promotion that could happen with Rift Apart. And I think Ratchet and Rivet together, you know, uh, appealing characters for kids. So so there you go. OK, I think that's cute. I'd like that, um, especially too in the, in the Sonic one. We kind of briefly mentioned earlier, like one of the things that they presented was like a new Sonic show coming to Netflix. So. This yeah, could, um, you know, in the same kind of realm of, of possibility. It would be like a similar style of show. Exactly. Um, yeah. Let, let's hope it's an anime, too. I, I don't know if that's part of my prediction, but I, I would like it to be an anime. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll put you down for that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. My next one is kind of like, we'll piggyback off of that one a little bit nicely, is that I think there's going to be a new Spyro game, like a new main series Spyro. Mm. Um, and I think that because of like the, the revival of all of those series, right? Like we're getting a new Ratchet and Clank. We just got a new um, Crash Bandicoot recently. And like yep. these kind of games are really like coming back into the spotlight. And Spyro was one of the one of the ones that got the remaster. So it's a little bit more relevant. Um, and, he, you know, he's kind of been shipped off to Skylanders for a long time. I know. So, but it's cruel fate, huh? Yeah, so I, I think it's time he's going to kind of come back in the spotlight and, and sort of have a have a proper rebirth with his own new main series game. Interesting. Do you have any idea, Any I'm putting on the spot maybe, do you, would you predict what studio might be making it? Because I know Toys for Bob, who did the, the, crash, the new Crash game, has been basically reduced to supporting some Call of Duty games or something, or, or Battlefield or one of those, so yeah, I, I don't know if I, they'd make it. I don't know. I'd like it to be Toys for Bob because I think they did a great job with the, the two remasters. And I think like, you know, they, they really like showed their passion and, and their like capability as a studio. So like, I, I don't know. I'd like to say it's them. Otherwise, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I'd take a Spyro <laughs> game from anyone, honestly. That, I'd be more inclined to buy a Spyro remaster than, than the Crash stuff. So I, I would like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm going to move away from PlayStation for my next one. I'm going to go with one of my off-topic predictions. Um, and I'm going to say that Xbox 
everyone's favorite PlayStation competitor, which is, is an awesome company. Um, they announced <laughs> the return of one of my favorite original Xbox games, um, Jade Empire, which is kind of, it was actually a Bioware game back in the day. And it was very similar to like a Mass Effect or Dragon Age style game, you know, action mm-hmm. RPG, right. dialogue choices, uh, influence the world and all that. Um, kind of before its time in a lot of ways too. So Jade Empire, I think is going to come back, but I think this time it's going to not be Bioware because they've got a lot of projects going on. I think it's going to be Xbox has bought so many studios over the last few years, right? And we've not seen many projects from a lot of them. And so I think this is going to be announced um, as the project from in exile entertainment uh, because we don't know what really what they're working on, but there's been some rumors, or at least that I've I've seen that that uh, they're working on a big AAA RPG for Xbox, and I think that would fit really nicely with what Jade Empire was, and it's also got that kind of nostalgia for people who have been with Xbox for a long time. It's the 20 year anniversary of Xbox, so they might want to dig back into their back catalog a little bit, and I think Jade Empire would be. Um, a really good call for that. So I, I think that Jade Empire will be announced um, a, a new a new game. Maybe, I don't know if it'll be a remaster. I don't think so. I think it would be maybe a new game uh, kind of just called Jade Empire, but by NXL Entertainment. Okay. that I like that one. That's a lot of detail. You put a lot of like the logistics hmm. went into that one. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. You gotta, um, you gotta add the detail sometimes, you know, that's how I get the half points. <laughs> right. Oh, it's just yeah, strategic detail. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'll continue with this Xbox theme. I don't think this is an, it's not specifically an Xbox game, but I think it would be at the Xbox um, presentation because I don't think they do their own. Uh, and that is, I think Rockstar is finally going to come out and show us something for Grand Theft Auto 6. Oh, boy. It, wow. We've had five since 2013, and they've really been been riding that to <laughs> to great success. It's always in the top like ten most bought games of the year since 2013. It's it's huge, but I think it's finally time that they're gonna settle down and say like, okay, we did our Red Dead. We're back now to Grand Theft Auto Number Six is gonna come out. I can see it. I, I I think so. Yeah. I mean, they they still do so much with Five's online community. Like it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous how alive and vibrant that game is. Like you said, it's so old. Uh. So yeah, maybe it is time. Who who knows? That mm-hmm. would be pretty cool, actually. Even if it was just like a logo, you know, GTA Six, people would lose their mind. Absolutely. Yes. Very cool. Um. Okay. Well, what am I gonna do? Maybe I'll go back to Sony. Um. Okay. We're on a we're on a bit of a train of like announce game announcements. You know, like showing showing new games and maybe some new ips and stuff so i'll go back with playstation um so a little while ago i think i think we talked about it on the show that sony's confirmed they have 25 new games in development and about half of those are new ip which is very exciting because i think sony takes a lot of flack sometimes for just oh it's another uncharted it's another one of these like you know Mm -hmm. same kind of third person action stuff so i I think they're going to show a couple new ip here at the at the show if, if they do a state of play, hopefully they do. Let's cross our fingers. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> I'm sure but, they must. Yeah, they, they will. Um, but anyway, I think my, my prediction is I think we're going to see um, at least two new IP announcements from Sony first party. Okay. Uh, it might not be gameplay. It might not be uh, anything more than a logo or like a little teaser or something. But I think there'll be two new first party IP announced. And I think uh, my little detail, because I like to add little details to these predictions, is that um, one of them will be announced to be worked on by Sony Bend because it's been uh, Days Gone came out in 2019. That was the last game they Mm -hmm. made. Um, Since then, they've kind of ported it to PC. They've done the next gen update for PS5. 
But um, I mean, there was that new story that came out a little while ago that they're not doing a sequel to Days Gone, at least for the time being. So that must mean their next project's got to be something else, right? And so I think it's been a couple years now. Uh, it might not be like a big reveal with gameplay and stuff, but I think we'll see a logo uh, for the next game uh, Sony Ben will be working on, which will be one of the two new IPs shown um, from Sony. Okay, interesting. I like it. Because, um, yeah, that, that studio is kind of like... You know, they did Days Gone, and it's like, well, you know, that went that went overly quite well, and then um, we haven't really like heard much from them since, as, as far as I know. So right, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Interesting. Okay, um, we got three more to go um, from each of us. So I'm just gonna get through one of the ones I, I wrote this down as, as a joke, and actually, you know, just kind of made me sad. I put a sad face beside it, so <laughs> I just gonna get it out of the way. Is I I don't think Elden Ring will have anything. No, I think that's confirmed, actually. I think they actually said that they're not coming. But then again, okay. they, companies no, lie, I though. Know, you know? <laughs> I know um, Team Cherry confirmed that they have nothing for Silk Song. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I think like those games often get brought up together because it's yes. like a big um, Where are they? overlap of people who are like interested and they've both been kind of like really like nothing's been said for a long time. So yeah, mm-hmm, Team Cherry mm-hmm. did confirm like we have nothing for Silk Song. Like, just don't get excited. Um, but right. I don't... As far as I know, there hasn't been anything said about Elden Ring, and I, as much as I want to say otherwise, I think we're just, it's going to be more radio silence on that. That is a sad, sad prediction, but probably a good point for you. I don't, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. Yes. Damn, I hope you're wrong on that one, just for your sake. Me too, me too, but. I really do. (laughs) Okay, um, I'm going to give another prediction here. This one's about Nintendo, and this is also about new game announcements, because apparently my mind was just very one track. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was writing these, but I think that, so there's all these rumors, everything's going around about like Switch Pro is going to get announced before E3 because companies want to announce games for the Switch Pro. Kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We'll see if it happens. So I guess my, my prediction's kind of contingent on the Switch Pro being announced, but I think that there's going to be, um, God, this actually has a lot of caveats now that I, now that I look at my, what I wrote down. <laughs> um, so I think that, that we're going to see um, at least three games stick with me here from Mm -hmm. non-nintendo for from not from nintendo what am i trying to say uh so with the switch pro right the the reason that they wanted to announce this before e3 hypothetically is because a lot of third-party developers are making games now for like the new consoles ps5 xbox series x that -hmm. are just too advanced for the switch right and so i think that that uh with the switch pro being hypothetically announced that they'll be able to um put their games on that as well which is why they they want to do it right so I would say there's going to be at least three games, not from Nintendo first party publishers that are announced for the Switch Pro, but are exclusive um, to that in the sense they're not coming to the regular Switch. Ah, so you think they're not only are they making like a a boosted version of a console, but it'll actually have unique titles. I think so. Yeah, I think like that's why I wanted to say like from third party, because I think Nintendo will put their stuff on both the regular like they're not going to phase out the regular Switch with mm-hmm. with their first party stuff but i think with the when it comes to like third party developers and like like say for example ubisoft with assassin's creed like i don't think assassin's creed valhalla would really run super great on the switch but i think they would love to put something like the next assassin's creed on or even valhalla like on the switch pro because it would work hypothetically if it's if it's a powerful enough console right or if say sega is working on a new uh, you know, AAA game for Xbox and PlayStation, like maybe it would still work on the Switch Pro so they could announce it for that, but it wouldn't be coming to the base Switch, which would become more of like an, the base Switch would still get like maybe the smaller indies and 
you know, the Nintendo stuff, but then the third parties kind of might move their bigger stuff just towards the pro. Ah, that's interesting. I, I that that's like a tough like gray area because on one hand it's like yeah, you that that is good because like the Switch is obviously like you can't get past the elephant in the room. There's the limitations with it. And there's some games that you just you just can't put on the Switch. It wouldn't run. It's not feasible. And so having like a you know, a boosted version is good, but then there's that argument that's like, well, you know, that sucks if you had the original Switch and then it's also mm-hmm. like, well, why isn't it just is it like switch two or is it like the yeah. pro version right like and mm-hmm. again that like weird area where i think like you got to be careful some people are going to be upset about if yeah. that would happen but yeah. at the same time like well like but like it makes a lot of sense so yeah i, th- I think they'll my prediction basically is there'll be three <laughs> games of that kind of you know, that kind of ilk that are announced like hey this is coming out it unfortunately won't work on the regular switch but for those yeah. who get the pro like you can play it on your switch basically. interesting okay i like that I like that a lot. Um, hmm, interesting. Uh, okay, I've got two left. So I've got both of mine left are the Sony ones because I did the cinematic and I haven't right. gone back. So this is my second last prediction is I think uh, Kojima is going to get revealed. He's got a new game uh, at the Sony presentation um, and it's going to make even less sense than Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But it'll still have that Maz Mikkelsen because he loves that guy. Right. Yeah. They're like tied yeah. together the hip, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of facial acting and animation in the game, but it's going to be even weirder than like alternate dimension fetuses, if you can believe it. Well, I, I don't know what my brain would go to to think of something more unique, but I, I don't have any doubt that he could think of something more unique. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why I have, I'm not speculating what it's going to be, because it's such an obscure concept that I cannot come up with it myself, and I'm going to struggle to understand it when the game does get revealed. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think the, my one of the best parts of this prediction that's kind of like an underlying thing is, you're actually predicting it to be for Sony because I I think there was some articles and like some some rumors going around that he was actually potentially working with Xbox to publish an, another game. So I think I, that sticking with I Sony is a good prediction. Yeah. I did see that, but I think he's got a history with Sony, and I think you know Sony loves their reputation of having a lot of like exclusives, and I think Kojima is someone that that uh, they would want to keep a working relationship with. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I think despite the rumors, it's going to turn out this way. I like it. That's, that's a really good prediction. I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of that one. That's that's like one of my favorites so far, I would say. Um, okay, so my last one, I'll, I'll, I'll save my last Sony one for the end, and I will go to my last uh, off-topic one here, which I'm going back mm-hmm. to Nintendo. Because, Kate, it's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. It's time for Mario Kart 9, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8 has been around since the damn Wii U. Like, we've been playing Mario Kart 8 on Wii U. Well, I wasn't. I didn't have a Wii U. But I'm playing still Mario Kart 8, <laughs> which is a Wii U game on my Switch. Yes. It's been so long. And that game, like you said about GTA, is always at the top of the sales charts. Like, people just mm-hmm. cannot get enough Mario Kart. Yeah. And, but eventually, you know, you've got to move on. you got to move on eventually, right? And it's not like people won't just instantly start buying 9 when it comes out. Like, it, it, it's got to happen at some point. I think this is the time. And I think it's the time because... Uh, with the Switch Pro coming out, I mean, seems like it's going to happen. I think this is a good time to like, hey, we're we're announcing this new console. It's got pumped up power. Uh, Mario Kart 9 can still be on the regular Switch as well, but it could look even better for the Pro. And mm-hmm. I think the Mario Kart 9 will be will be shown. It'll be 
Uh, I don't know if it would be coming out for, you know, holiday this year or if it would be early next year or something, but I think that the, the interesting part of it will be, um, and this is not a hot take or anything like that. Like a lot of people are saying they, that they we would anticipate that the characters would be more of like a Smash Bros type roster for this one rather than just like the Mario core cast. It would be like Link and Captain Falcon and the Star Fox guys and, you know, like a bit more of an expanded roster for, for what Mario Kart looks like. And I also would, think... Okay, oh, I was saying quickly before you say something, else, I say that would be really cool and it would interest me a lot more. And like, yeah. oh my God, is that way better than Pink Gold Peach? And well, like, yeah, 100%. Also that bullshit. Nobody cares about half of those characters. Like, 100%, bro. yeah. And, and they did DLC for it too, right? So like some yeah, of I mean, like Link's Link in is in the game and I think you can play as Villager from Animal Crossing as well, Yeah, you right? can. So. And there's also like the Blue Falcon from F-Zero is in the game. You can play on Mute City, which is an F-Zero track, even though yeah. Captain Falcon's not there. Like there's exactly. there's hints of this kind of thing, right? So I think that they're going to they're gonna show it off. It's going to have a Smash type of roster. And I think that Nintendo also does like uh, some different mechanics in terms of the driving recently too. Like they did the hang gliders and they've done uh, the mm -hmm. kind of hovercraft sort of sections and the underwater right. sections as well. And I think this one's going to include um, a, kind of a plane section, kind of like in oh, Diddy Kong Racing. They're going Diddy Kong. Diddy yeah. Kong, yeah. And like Sonic, <laughs> right. Sonic All-Stars Transform, you can go into plane mode and stuff as well. So I think Mario Kart's going to jump on that, that track as well and have this big Mario Kart 9 blowout and show us that. I, out, I like uh, that. It's, yeah. It sounds like it would give the series a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of like a fresh life to it. Not that not that Mario Kart isn't always a good time to, to hop into, but I mean, it you, you know exactly what you're expecting. They're, they're quite similar each iteration. And so I think these sound like a good ideas to kind of make it a little bit more fresh and exciting again, especially when you're getting to the ninth installment. That's a lot of Mario Kart. Yeah, well, that's just it. And I mean, Mario Kart 8, the original, think about this. This came out in 2014. That is seven wow. years ago. <laughs> it's been seven years game. since we've had new Mario Kart tracks. That's like, almost that's... as much as Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> like, ridiculous. <laughs> just ridiculous. We need these, these. We need a new one, man. We need it. Mm-hmm. All right, I I I think that's probably the the most likely of all of these picks so mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will I will end you with a, a bit of a speculative blowout for my my last spiciest pick. Ooh, I'm excited! I'm excited. Uh, and this is a Sony specific. So Naughty Dog is going to be working on a new game. Yes. Um, obviously massive studio. Everyone's going to have their eyes on them, but. I think this game is not going to be in the Uncharted or the Last of Us universe. Mm -hmm, it's going to mm -hmm. be a new IP from them. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take some guesses as to what it's going to look like. Ooh, I, think, I like it. Tell me. Tell me <laughs> so what they're I working on, Kate. They've got to have this strong concept of relationships. That's just big right now for Sony in general. And I think also like you know, they excelled in that in The Last of Us. They're going to use what they've learned and carry it forward. This time, it's the relationship, though, is going to be about a couple. And those are going to be the, the two characters, or one character you play as, but instead of, like, the Joel Ellie kind of, like, father-daughter sort of relationship, and we saw father-son with, with Kratos, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think this one's going to be, like, they're going to be a little bit more equal. They're going to be a couple. Right. And I think you're going to get to choose which one you play as. Okay. And that will change the game a little bit. Interesting. And I'll also take a guess. I think the setting and the atmosphere is going to be a kind of like a grounded fantasy world. So there's going to be a little bit of like, 
mysticism and magic to it, but almost more in a like oppressive kind of Lovecraftian sort of way. And you're going to sort of be caught up in this, these like horrible events that are happening, like almost like plague level, not like Last of Us plague, but right, like yeah. more like world destruction kind of thing, like monsters and, and magic more than, more like a little than anything medieval? like, yeah, almost like a little, yeah, it could be like a little medieval. I think it might be like set a little bit in the past. And, you know, there's some, like, big mystery you're going to have to uncover. And it's really going to... But at the basis of it all, it's going to be this tension that is driven between the two. And you have to sort of, like, salvage your relationship and how they progress together in, like, a time of really big stress and uncertainty. And there's going to be, like, monster attacks. And it's... it's but but it's going to be that Lovecraftian sort of style where it's it's a lot more of like you don't know what it is and you don't really right. understand what's what what the like threat is but you know you're in danger and i think that it's going to end up with you having to like journey somewhere that's how these good relationship games often work <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a little bit of combat a little bit of sneaking kind of i don't think they're going to change the the mechanics super super much i think it's still going to be a little bit more of those like kind of like action sort of rpg right and they're so they're um, so good at doing that now like after the yeah. last of us 2 and everything they developed that ai that they like the ai is so smart in the last of us 2 it kind of makes sense they'd want to use that again exactly so i think they're gonna they're gonna build off of this a little bit more but it's gonna be a little bit more of like an intimate character driven game in a kind of almost like a lovecraftian horror sort of setting that sounds fantastic, and I it hope you're right. It sounds so good. I really, really, really like want to play it. <laughs> really like it. Maybe that's one of the two new IPs that will be shown uh, for my earlier prediction. Never know. I like <laughs> it. I hope you're right, though. That sounds awesome, and I, I would love so. to see them take on a different kind of setting, you know, because Uncharted and, and mm -hmm. The Last of Us, they're both just... I mean, The Last of Us, I guess, is a bit of a more unique setting, but they're they're both more grounded in type of... Like, within the realm of somewhat of a reality. So having yeah. something a bit more fantasy would be would be really cool exactly. to see from them. So, yeah. yeah, and I don't think it's going to be like full-on fantasy, like wizards and dragons and that kind of stuff. I think it's just going to be more of like a like grounded in the real world, but then there's these elements of, of mysticism and magic that have kind mm -hmm. of like broken the boundary of like what you thought was possible and they're going to have to come to terms with like, no, these other beings do exist and they've sort of infiltrated the world. Almost kind of like... You can almost like look at it kind of like a bloodborne -y sort of like, oh, the, the great ones have descended and we're aware of their presence now and like, yeah, or like like an alien invasion kind of almost thing. But it's, it's these, like the like, Eternals, old. the new Marvel trailer for the Eternals, just like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> maybe a little bit less quips, but um, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Some, cool. something in, in that vein. I like it. Uh, well, we'll move from Naughty Dog, uh, obviously one of the biggest studios. We're going to go to another one. It's going to be Sony Santa Monica showing some new stuff <laughs> for God of War Ragnarok. That's right. My I most anticipated say, like, game. How could I not talk about we've it? We've got to see something from Ragnarok. You'd think. Well, especially since apparently they said it's coming out this year. I, 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 just like everyone else, it seems pretty far-fetched that it, that it will make it for this year. You mm -hmm. never know. Um, well, I, I don't think they're going to show a release date for it, but I do think they're right. going to show us some gameplay from God of War okay. Ragnarok. Oh, and, I hope so. And this is what I think it's going to be. 
I think it, it might be, you know, a, a, a it's not going to be like an extended gameplay look. It's going to have some montage-esque energy to it, maybe a few, you know, minute-long kind of fight sequences, but it's going to kind of cut around, be a little bit of, you know, a, like, more of like a sizzle reel compared to like a deep dive or something like that. Right. But I think uh, the interesting part about it is it's going to be, um, so Sony in, in recent memory and in the past has, has loved to have kind of side sections of certain games where you play as side characters. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the old Ratchet and Clank games, you'd have the sections where you just play as Clank and go through a little area, then you go back and you're with Ratchet again. Or there's the same with Daxter. Um, even in Spider-Man 2018, like you actually got to play some sections as Miles Morales and the, and the mechanics were different and it, it worked a bit differently, but you did get to right. play as him for a bit. And so um, I think that they're going to show us that Atreus is playable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, like I and him. I think they're going to do it um, in a bit more of a unique way. Instead of being like certain specific sections, I think it'll be it'll give the impression that you play as him for more of a significant portion. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think that's the impression they're going to try and give us. And, and then uh, I'll say that the, uh, something shocking is going to happen. And mm-hmm. it, the, the trailer is going to explicitly show kratos getting stabbed through the chest and it's gonna look like he's gonna die and um we all know kratos has cheated death before he's been down to the underworld he's made Mm -hmm. it back he's a tough motherfucker like this guy does not go down you know but but it's gonna show us and it's gonna leave us on a bit of a cliffhanger in terms of like oh shit like you know we just saw atreus being quite clearly playable and Kratos has been stabbed. Like, is this going to be how the game turns out or, or what's going to happen? And they're going to leave us on that cliffhanger. And that's going to be what we see from Ragnarok. Interesting. I, I really think that is a spicy pick, but I could really see it happening too. And um, especially with the way that uh, the original God of War ended, um, I, I really thought that Kratos was, was dying at the end. Uh, of that game i i was mm-hmm. so sure i was like you'd self-sacrifice for atreus like you know maybe that doesn't mean anything because yeah as you said the morality and or mortality i mean the morality in that game is a little <laughs> awkward too but yeah, yeah. the mortality in that game is you know you know is, is death really death for kratos he's you know he's, he's broken some rules in the past but i i was sure and then the way it does end is like you know it kind of that would not be a super huge it would it would make sense i guess is what i'm trying to say beating around the bush it would make sense for that to be what happened but it would still be like shocking because you know kratos is is such a he's got that invincibility aspect to him yeah exactly and i think that i think that because he's become a bit more of a grounded character over the events of 2018 that it might be more shocking to see him. Like if, if it was shown in the trailer that Kratos died at one of the, you know, PS2 era God of War games, no one would yeah. be like, sure he, he did. Wouldn't like, bat he's an gonna eye, go, like He's just going to go beat the shit out of Hades and come back and, and be stronger, right? But after 2018, I think it's a bit more like, oh shit, like, you know, he's getting a bit older and, and yeah. some of the story events show maybe, you know, And even this could in happen. 2018, like they kind of gave him, like his arc had a nice, conclusion to it like mm-hmm. there's still a lot of room for growth absolutely and there's still a lot of ways that they could take his character and like it also works just in the sense of having atreus beat like step up a little bit more and have kratos be more of like an additional or background character or even just to share that with atreus but like dying is also kind of like he's in a spot where if he did die i think it would be sad because i still want to see more from him but i wouldn't feel like there were tons of 
wasted potential or or areas that I, I wanted him to progress more in. So I, I think like it's definitely something that they a direction they could take it. I think the the most concerning part about that is just like we love playing as Kratos and right, like yeah. we we would miss him so much. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it also like so it would take some bravery to go down that route. But I think Santa Monica is a brave studio and if that's where they thought the story would would be best taken i think they'd have the balls to do it <laughs> I, I think so too and I, I i mean the thing is like there's already so much speculation of like oh is kratos gonna die like atreus is being you know built up kind of by the end of the game and what's gonna happen to kratos i think they're just gonna own that energy and be like you know mm-hmm. even if they have no plans of killing kratos they're gonna show us something like that just to make people freak out you know and, yes. and like want to play it so and i i respect that even if it's just a like you know like a marketing tactic almost yeah it's yeah like, oh like leave us on the edge of our seat for the next like six months or i mean that's probably a, <laughs> a, 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 probably not long enough but like yeah, for however like long that. until till we get a, a for sure answer yeah <laughs> cruel yeah, so, but i like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess those are our predictions for e3 uh this year so let's see if we earn any type of points whatsoever i feel like we got we got a chance you know we're gonna get a few points here and there like we got, some we got of those are, are pretty decent yeah gotta hope um, anyway, Kate, uh, I think that's going to do our prediction section. Of course, though, we still are going to answer a listener mail question before we get out of here um, from our friends again, Nick and Josh over at Loud Thumbs. So, uh, yeah, what's what's the question? All right. Uh, yeah. So they've written in to us and they say, hey, Katie and James, I know you're big PlayStation fans and so are we. So I thought of a fun question for you two. If you had to choose a mascot for PlayStation to use for from their first party titles forever, who or what would it be and why? Enjoy the show. Keep up the great content from Loud Thumbs Podcast. Wow. Um, you know, <clears throat> and this, this is a tough this, question. It is tough. It started out as, as kind of simple and I, or not simple, but like I came up with a few ideas pretty quickly, but that detail of it being like forever, like this is going to be a, the longevity of, of this mascot really made me kind of like think a little bit deeper on it. And it actually ended up being very difficult. And I think as you know, much as Sony's got a really great cast of, of games and characters, I had trouble thinking of one that fits nicely as a mascot. Yeah, I was in the same boat, especially because, you know, aside from Nintendo, I don't even know if a lot of companies even have a mascot these days, you know? Like, I guess at Xbox, you could still say Master Chief, but maybe that speaks to that they don't have a lot of really recognizable characters in a lot of their... <laughs> First part, like that's not even an insult. Like it's just kind of the, the yeah. truth, right? They're more about the services rather than the exclusive characters and stuff. And and so yeah, Sony has so many characters, but which one would be a mascot? And yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, I where where did you start? Like, I mean, obviously we're big Astrobot fans. You must have had Astro cross your mind. Astro is is one of the three on my list. I think Astro is great. I think he fits the mascot in just the in terms of design. He's he's cute. He's recognizable. He is someone. He's exactly. He's family friendly. He's someone you could sell merchandise for. Um, I he's think customizable he, too. Like you can. Yeah. You, like in Astrobot, he's he's dressed up as all the different characters. A Kratos Astrobot. There's an a, like a Atreus Astrobot. There is a Astrobot for every every exclusive character. There's one for Days Gone. Like there's exactly. there's all types and and so I think that's a really big. Uh, reason that he would be a strong contender, I think for sh- for sure, yeah. Exactly, and I think, and because of that reason in the Astrobot game, where he's he's in all different types of, of costumes, and you know they made a lot of really cute references to a lot of the other Sony games. I actually did end up 
picking Astrobot as my my final choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that comes with a heavy caveat that we need more Astrobot games. Right. Like yeah. he needs to get his own. We talked about it before when we uh, had played Astro the the game that came with a PS5 for Astrobot. Um, and we'd mentioned that we think it would be really good for him to get like a Mario Odyssey style game for himself, um, kind of like a, a full proper title. And that would do really well because the, the platforming was fun. It's got, a, he's got a cute character. It's a cute world. It's just a nice wholesome space to be in. Um, and I think the caveat for me picking Astrobot would mean that game has to come out and exist and he needs to not just be a like tech demo kind of character it actually also needs to extend to yeah, his yeah. own his own like proper first part oh, like they're all first party but like proper like full scale games yeah I'm, I'm with you and i think that's i was thinking the same thing like your your exact reasoning i knew i knew we'd be aligned on this <laughs> <laughs> we love um, astrobot <laughs> but, but i mean i think the, the the key part of the question that solidifies that for my mind is that the the question says uh, mascot forever and so mm-hmm. while he doesn't have those kind of games currently in in the catalog of, of like what astro's only been on vr and then the the you want to say tech demo right but mm-hmm. for the course of forever is a long time and and he's such a likable character that i can't imagine that they won't be making a game like that eventually and moving forward there can be all kinds of different experiences like i could see a realm where you know that paperclip from microsoft word like what if astro becomes like the quote-unquote host of the playstation state of play or something you know or becomes the host <laughs> of of like your yeah, playstation kind of console like, or like if you have a question like how um how the mass effect has like cortana that shows up and she's your like the per the lady you talk to in your computer to be like you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. open open this file for me and, and sh- whatever so like yeah astro could kind of like yeah he also kind of fits into that sort of like i'm um, the like tech guy that like helps you like oh you need to pull up the guide like here yeah. it is the kind I of think thing he's a great shout um i mean i i, I guess I'll, I'll shout out one other quick one but the, the only other character i even really considered to be honest was aloy from horizon and okay. it, it's simply just because I think that she, I mean, people love Horizon is one of the more more popular properties that they have going right now. I, I don't see any reason as to why it won't be a long running franchise. Like they've only had one game so far. So it's not like something like Uncharted that's kind of had its run, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's still very much like a new franchise. You got to think they got at least two, three, four more games, spinoffs, all types of things. Um, mm-hmm. I think the fact that she's a woman is a really good thing, like just in terms of like all the inclusivity and everything that they want to push mm-hmm. all like the generic white hero, you know, tough, indestructible, Nathan Drake, Nathan Drake <laughs> kind of guys yeah. out. Like, I think that's a really good thing. Um, there was actually a stat that came out. I, I'll just throw it out. Like, I saw was, it. Um, yeah, it was the the when the PS1 was out, there was only 18 percent of players that were females. Who, who bought the console and this is from like mm-hmm. an industry report like or something like that 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 was posted online right. but now with the ps5 it's up to 41 percent, and i think that's just an incredible thing and i hope that number continues to grow because i games are for everyone right and i think that mm-hmm. someone like aloy being a mascot for the one of the biggest game studio or like companies on the planet arguably the biggest in a lot of ways like playstation that would be a great thing and i think she'd be a good contender but again i just don't know if she has the longevity because forever is a long time and she's not customizable like astro is yeah, I think that's a good pick, and and it's kind of a similar sort of reason like I considered Kratos, right? Because I think God of War is the biggest franchise right now. Um, maybe The Last of Us, you could argue, is is on that footing, but um, God of War is certainly like a behemoth right now mm-hmm. for Sony, and it's got that added bonus of of having been around a little bit longer as well. 
Um, and Kratos is, is so recognizable, but like you said with your predictions, he might not be around forever. And also, like, he's kind of just a bit, like, gritty and, and maybe not the most, like, family-friendly um, <laughs> in terms yeah. of, like, you know, a mascot. So um, he might be kind of out um, and that, that doesn't quite fit as well into to what I think of a mascot of being very, like, a very universal character. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah, Aloy would make sense. I, I didn't really consider her just because I don't really know who she is without having played the games. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think I think you hit a nail on the head, kind of. They would definitely take into consideration wanting to have a, a character that, you know, maybe speaks or, or some of their fans can relate to that aren't represented as much. And I think that's definitely something that companies are looking into right now is, is giving, like, representation from wider diversity of people. And so she would be a good pick for that. But I just, I don't know if her personally is like a yeah, mascot yeah. versus just like, oh, she's a great character to have in the edition and like we want to see more of her. But yeah, that's why I think Astro is yeah. the best, un- undeniably Astro's the best the pick, best. honestly. Like, I will say I, I considered Sackboy as well, briefly. Yeah. But, um, but really like Sackboy walks so Astro can run. <laughs> yes exactly exactly i think he tripped on his yarn uh yeah, during just, the beginning of the race and yarn tarnishes Astro. you know astro's made of like platinum or titanium or something it's gonna last much longer exactly and i i think yeah every reason that i thought of for sack boy was a reason that astro had and just he could go a little further with it so yeah well there you go it's astrobot you heard it here first and that's the definitive answer. No one can debate us. And we're we're 100% correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but if you'd like to get in touch with us and let us know your incorrect uh, PlayStation mascot or also just some of your E3 predictions, um, you can absolutely get in touch with us and James will tell you how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please uh, send us an email, circlesandsquarespod at gmail.com. Or of course, uh, we're very active on Twitter as well, at cnspod. Um, you can find our personal Twitters on there as well. Give us a follow, you know, like I'm, I'm really active on there. Actually. I like to talk to people. So yeah, we just let us know who your mascot choices are. Cause there's a lot of good ones. There's a ton of good PlayStation characters. Like, you know, we're joking around Astros. I think the best one, but I mean, you can make an argument for several different characters. So yeah, let us know. Um, exactly. thanks again for the and- question from loud thumbs too. Like we're, we're really looking forward to, to getting those guys on the show next time to come talk about E3 and we're going to have a good episode. I'm really looking forward to that. Be sure to come check us out mm-hmm. uh, next time. Absolutely. And in the meantime, while we're we're just boiling over with E3 anticipation and hype, um, we got their links in the description. Uh, give them a check out as well. Exactly. So anyways, guys, that's going to do us for the show this week. Uh, we'll see you next time for the E3 wrap up episode. We're uh, going to have a great discussion there. So look forward to that. Um, until then, we'll see you next time. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.